And just like that, live once again, Nantucket. As always, thank you for the click. This is your chosen podcast. I say thank you. This is Inside the Whale, Nantucket's podcast. I am your host, Doug Cody. Let's get right to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Island Insurance. That's right, you heard it correctly. Island Insurance is sponsoring today's episode, a boutique insurance agency that takes their clients' well-being seriously. Island Insurance has been providing homeowners, commercial auto, workers' comp, liability, life, health, and long-term care for residents and business owners of Nantucket Island. Island Insurance believes that exceptional customer service, including extended hours of availability, is the starting point of any good business. And their methodical examination of individual policies are the bedrock of what Nantucket Island community should expect from their insurance agency. Feel free to look them up at 02554insurance.com. Check them out on the web. I'll give you that one more time, 02554insurance.com, or give them a call at 508-221-1584. And just like that, there you have it, our first official sponsor of Inside the Whale. And I say, welcome aboard Island Insurance. We're glad to have you here. So, that being said, folks, lots going on. Here we go, folks. Daffodil Day is coming up fast, and the island's starting to crack. Everyone's prepping for the season. It's prep season mode here. Got a big election coming up on Tuesday. That's tomorrow. I'm recording this on Monday, April 11th, for the Board of Selects to get down there and vote. Vote Rita if you're so inclined. I'm getting ready. I'm excited for the season. It feels like there. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of new changes coming up to the island, especially in the restaurant world. You got the new club car opening up. Of course, you got the sandbar, formerly known as Jetty's, opening up. I'm sure sandbar will be a hot spot for sure this summer. Uh, Keepers just opened up over on Amelia Drive. I mean, uh, it's on the radar to get over there and have. I've uh, been hearing good things. Have dinner over there. The backyard barbecue folks are opening up Charlie Nobles. Scott Osif and the galley crew are taking over the Mersault spot. So I think this is going to be exciting season. A lot of new things, a lot of changes going on, but uh, it's all going to be good. You know, there's definitely going to be no shortage of new places to uh, check out this season. So get your forks ready and get your livers primed, right? Hot damn! Hot damn. I don't have no idea why I just said hot damn. It's weird how words like that just pop into your head and you feel them coming out and you're like, why am I saying that? Anyway, I hope this episode finds you guys doing good, Nantucket. Hope things are going well. I hope you're feeling good. I hope your body is operating correctly because it is go time. You know, so how are you feeling, Nantucket? What do you feel like today as you're listening to this? Do you feel crappy? Are you tired? Do you want to go back to bed? Or do you have a ton of energy? You know, what is it? Are you taking care of your body? Do you feel sick? Are you tired? Do you have arthritis? Do you have psoriasis? Do you have lupus? Do you have rheumatoid arthritis? Do you have type 1 diabetes, Graves' disease, Graves' disease, Crohn's, celiac limes, leaky gut? Ew. Are you suffering from an autoimmune disease? I guess that's my question. Is your body out of balance? Well, I've been, uh, last couple of weeks, I've been in a rabbit hole uh, of, of this gut health uh, world that's been going on. A lot of podcasts that I've been listening to. I listen to, I love Joe Rogan, and he has some really, really progressive thinkers and doctors on his show. And he had uh, Rob Wolf, the guy that started uh, CrossFit. 
couple episodes back, he was talking about the importance of gut health and what they're learning about uh, the science of how your gut controls your body. He has Dr. Rhonda Patrick. And the more I dive into this topic, the more I'm just blown away. You know, I'm someone, you know, I've suffered uh, from an autoimmune disorder. Cancer is a, uh, a related to autoimmune disorders. So uh, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is the topic of gut health it just keeps coming up. And, and the more I learn about it, the more I'm just like blown away about what I'm learning. And uh, so what I can tell you so far is the science of functional medicine uh, and holistic community has really started pushing that uh, information about gut health out there and becoming more commonplace. And, of course, the traditional medical community, too, I think, is starting to give it a lot more attention, um, especially in the autoimmune disorder world. And there's good news. You know, if you suffer from these ailments, Nantucket, uh, I guess that's my segue to today's guest. Today's guest is Dr. Sarah Williams, functional medicine practitioner, among other things. When I heard about... uh, the work that uh, Dr. Williams was doing out here and that she was out here now on Nantucket, I knew I had to sit down with her. You know, I have to say she's yet another example of the amazing people that live and walk uh, among us out here on Nantucket. And uh, no doubt an extremely valuable resource to anyone suffering from an autoimmune disorder out here. You know, also diet issues uh, she works with, she also does some uh, in-depth genetic testing to look at your genetic history and see how that can help make you healthier uh, through treating whatever uh, ailments you have, which I think is really groundbreaking. And I think she's just here to help us people on this island live a healthier life. And uh, I, I should preface this by saying I'm just beginning to understand the work that she's doing and specifically to gut health and the science behind it. So uh, I want to say that, uh, you know, I, I'm just starting to understand it. And I hope you guys kind of jump on the journey with me and understand the importance of gut health, because if your gut isn't healthy, you're not healthy. And uh, my conversation with her was interesting and definitely fascinating. We definitely covered a lot of topics and uh I had so many questions for her. I just, I just hope, I hope that I, uh, I covered them all, and I, I hope that you guys find it uh, informational. And if you're suffering from any of these issues, just know that uh, there's someone out there that can help. So let's do it, guys. Episode 47. Here we go with Dr. Sarah Williams. Let's do it. Let's go inside the way. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Right. He rises! 30 miles out, we're going deep. Inside the world! A whale as big as an island. A whale, a whale, a whale as big as an island. Right now, so don't, don't you worry. We're gonna... I'm just excited that you're here. Okay. Because I'm just so... It is the microphone is on, so anything you say now is recorded. So don't get nervous. But uh, you are someone because my wife went to you, and uh, I've been following gut health. Okay, I'm absolutely just fascinated by what's going on. I feel like there's a paradigm shift going on in the uh, in your community, which is I forget what the the I have all my notes here. Hang on. 
this is this was so important to me that I made notes for this podcast, oh. which I don't normally do. I normally okay. just let it go. All right. Functional medicine. Functional medicine. Okay. So, but before we get into exactly what you do, I think we should get an idea of what your background is and okay. how you got to practice your the you know gut health and what I do and what you do. Okay. And where you got your start. Okay, I'd say where I started was I was I am from a small town in New Hampshire where, you know, business is done on a handshake, where one person's vision can affect many. And at that time, I struggled with health. I had an autoimmune disease called asthma. At the time, I didn't know it was related to gut and genetics, but then over time, I began to make that connection. But my mom sent me to a yoga class when I was 13 to learn to breathe correctly. And with breathing came mindfulness, and with mindfulness came a clarity about the direction that I wanted my life to take, and that was to be a health practitioner. So that was the beginnings of where my vision was. And I wanted to be a health practitioner for three reasons. One, to find a way to heal myself without pharmaceuticals, which were not working. Two... Right around this time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, so I wanted to do anything I could to prevent her from having her second cancer. What kind of cancer? She had uterine cancer at that time, and I didn't know this at the time, but our family, I'm from a cancer family, I didn't know this at the time, and we carry a gene called MLH1, which is Lynch syndrome. But I didn't know that at the time, and she didn't know it because this was back in, ooh, this was probably at the time, the late 60s, early 70s, so uh, our late 60s actually. So we didn't know, we didn't have the information on genetics at that time. So... <laughs> That's not the first time, don't worry. <laughs> oh, it's the iPad. That just lets you know it's real. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know where it's. Sorry about that. That's all right. Okay. And so there, there are three reasons were my own health, my mom's health, and then to help others because I knew other people were struggling with health. And so that's where my journey began and to then go and study holistic medicine. That was my goal at that time at a young age. And what was interesting at that time, even though I was from this little small village, it had a lot of consciousness in the village where I was from. There were people coming from all over the United States because there was, there happened to be an ashram in this town. And so, wow. and so there was these people coming, but what they brought with them was their ideas on being a vegetarian. So when I would go to yoga at the Unitarian Church, these people would be there, and I was probably by this time 14, and they would say, you know, you might want to think about your diet. You might want to think about if you're having a sensitivity to dairy, and that just gave more... Was your asthma that bad? It was pretty bad, yeah. It was so you, really bad. So did they have a nebulizer and all that stuff back uh, then? Um, back then, you know, the, the back then, you know, when you, when you, I was a kid, they used to, the doctor would come to the house and give you a shot, because they, that's how they, you know, they would just come to the house, and then... There, of course, were lots of antibiotics for all the bronchitis, and then there was an inhaler, and none of it did any helped at all. So, I would actually go to someone that my mom, being sort of on cutting edge, um, 
medicine uh, in our own right, brought me to different types of healers that were not part of the mainstream where medicine's practiced in silos. And it was more to begin to have me look at what was the root cause. And so those people would have a dialogue with me about, let's, you know, let's try to figure out what the cause of this is. It's an allergy. What are you allergic to? And that had me start to think about food. So in that, you know, I was talking about my town. There was also another person in town that just had come back and his father had an estate and he wrote a book called Be Here Now. And he happened to live in my town. His name was Richard Alpert. And he he became known as Ram Dass. But with him came this other flood of people, <laughs> you know, another whole group of people that were vegetarians. So my town had all of this happening. Pretty mindful town, like it pro- was, progressive. It was a progressive <laughs> town in a little New England spot up in the Lakes region. So so from there, then I um, headed out west to begin to st- find places where I could study what I was doing, what I wanted to do. And I headed to Tucson. Took my and didn't begin to take pre-med courses, nutrition courses, and then I was looking at what is it that I can do, where can I practice, how do how can I practice holistic medicine? Because at that time there was not a place where you could go just check into a school and find one like there is now. This was wow, this was like forty plus years ago. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so we didn't have that. So I, so what I I started going to a chiropractor naturopath in Tucson, and he helped me so much. I thought. I'm going to go wherever he went, I'm going. And that's when I went off to school in Portland, Oregon, to, um, it was called the University of Western States, and it was a chiropractic, but it had a a chiropractic school, but it also had a deep history of naturopathic medicine, because it was both a chiropractic and naturopathic school at one time. And that's where I have um, graduated with my chiropractic physician degree. So that that's a that was your basis of the start of your journey into the world of you know functional medicine was well, after Tucson. So 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 we didn't have the term coined functional medicine at that time. So Jeffrey Bland is the father of functional medicine, and oh Jeffrey, please forgive me if I get the exact date wrong, but it seemed like right around the time I was graduating, nineteen eighty one eighty two, is when. That he was very um, that it came on the scene and that term was coined, and so that he was from Washington State or is from Washington State, and so I would go to his conferences, and that was the beginning of the seeds of functional medicine thirty five years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. Wow, and that which and it brings you here today, full circle now, because we're, I feel the reason that you're sitting here today because I feel what's going on. We're at a cross, we're at a paradigm shift. Functional medicine now is becoming, people are starting, the science behind it is caught up with it. And they're starting to realize how much is uh, validating these autoimmune diseases with what they understand now about uh, the gut the and, gut. and how it's related. And you're kind of like the gut es- a gut expert. Well, I'll say, well, I don't like to feel that I'm an expert in anything, but I would say that, first of all, let's say functional medicine looks at the root cause of disease. Right. Whereas traditional medicine does what? Well, it's more, it's more symptom, Sy- symptom based. Yeah. So, but we, but that's important also. So, functional medicine, with its looking at the root cause, what's began to happen is that with the mapping of the human genome back in hmm, that was probably 15, 16 years ago, 
that was a very seminal event in healthcare system. And well, not healthcare system. Well, yes, it's changing the healthcare system actually, and in cancer therapies and things. But at that time, which relates back to my story, I was looking to understand the cause. At this time, my mom had developed her second cancer. So I was looking at the cause of what was happening. And I had a suspicion it was genetic. So I volunteered to be part of the Human Genome Project and have my genome mapped. And I figured whatever was going on in my family would pop up there. And my report didn't show anything. And I thought, well, that was odd. And right when my report came back, my sister and cousin both had their second cancers. And I asked that their genome be sequenced. They had both had colon and and uterine cancer. My mom, my cousin, my sister, and my grandmother and great-grandmother. And so when they sequenced it, that was when they found out that we carried the gene for Lynch syndrome. And so at the time, then there there was the, the microbiome came on the map where the um, NIH had the microbiome. They, you know, funneled some money money in that direction to go for research. And that's where this beauty of the microbiome began began to get on the map. And that is where where we are now to this day, where we can now, like, I'm part of the Smart Gut Doctor Pilot Program. So for my patients, I can offer them uh, a kit where we look over three months to see what their microbiome is and what has happened, like and, and actionable steps to take to um, bring more balance into the gut health. Yeah, and I was uh, really interested with the work you were doing with basically, uh, which the stuff that I'm hearing from the podcast that I've been listening to through these biochemists and stuff is basically they're understanding, just like you said, the genomes of your gut and how your immune system, and, and it's really controlling all these autoimmune diseases, lupus, diabetes, type one, type two, all these things are functioning as a result of an imbalance in your gut. And it just, it's been blowing my mind. I had Randy Hudson from Cisco Breweries and he is into the fermented diet. And we've been just talking back and forth about how amazing this is. And me who I've had cancer. So obviously there's some sort of autoimmune issue going on there. So this idea that we can boost uh, we can fix whatever issue is going on through diet, through nutrition. Is st- I, and this is what I mean by a paradigm shift. It's re- I think people, I think the medical community is really starting to pay attention. I mean, obviously the science is the science is there. What's great is, is there. I think that genetics has bridged the gap. That's why I so love genetics. It's really created a platform where everyone's comfortable and everyone. Um, it's a very exciting place to be, and I think because of the history in the United well, you know, United States particularly, where there's the disrupting event for the gut. One of the disrupting events can be antibiotics, and we now, you know, many of us, you know, we had antibiotics just constantly every year. So that affects a shift in the microbiome, and that is why we have to begin to look what has happened to the gut. What has happened when you have C-sections, right? The baby doesn't get all the natural flora when they go through the birth canal. What's happened with all of the use of antibiotics? That's what's in the news now, which is great. And that's what I mean. I feel like we're at a paradigm shift. All of a sudden, you're starting to, people are finally realizing that, listen, you have uh, psoriasis, you have rheumatoid arthritis. This is all in an imbalance in your gut. 
Right, and so the is it as is it as general as that? Well, let's say okay. So yeah, you'd need to have a few factors lined up. You know, you'd need to have the leaky gut. Usually, is a piece that's in there. So the leaky gut can occur from from four factors. One is the antibiotics that I spoke about, and um, food, stress, and inflammation, which can be caused by some type of a bacteria or pathogen. So those four things can lead to the leaky gut. Then the leaky gut is the precipitating factor in many autoimmune diseases, but you got to have that gene. So an autoimmune disease can be celiac disease, right? So you have the leaky gut, you're not going to get the celiac disease unless you have the gene, or you're not going to... So that's an important part to remember. So that's why genetics is so fascinating. And you do this. this genetic testing, right? You can test for the gene for celiac very... Yes. That's part of your protocol though, right? Well, for... for yes. I want to give people an idea of like what your... How you function in, Oh, how I function as, as I, I look at genetics. I look at gut health. I look at, um, we do, I do functional testing. So I look at if it's a woman that comes in with hormonal issues, I'll look at her hormonal balance and I'll look at what's called estrogen metabolism. So the metabolism of hormones, I'll look at, as I said, the gut health, looking at um, inflammatory markers, um, digestion and absorption, um, and the microbiome, which, as I was, that's what we've been talking about today, and it's not one size fits all. So, what I try to encourage people to have is intelligent supplement supplementation that don't just go buy supplements. You know, have a roadmap to know what are your genes in terms of certain nutrient deficiencies you may have. So, just an example that's happened with genetics. So. I'm not sure if this is a little too complicated. But no, I mean, I'm, okay. I, and if it is, I'll stop and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll break it right. down into layman's, okay. layman's terms. All right, so <laughs> you have something called folic acid. It's B9, right? You need an enzyme to break that down so that you can absorb it as folate. So a certain percentage of the population has a genetic variant on that enzyme. It's called MTHFR or, okay. or methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So I, so just go with the initials, MTHFR. So if that enzyme, if you have a genetic variant on, you're going to be low in folate. So that means that when that person goes to have a supplement, they don't just want to go buy something on the shelf that has folic acid in it. They need something that has methylfolate in it. And so that's an example of basic nutrition coupled with some a little tiny test that's probably 40 or $50 to let the person know if they have that genetic variant. Which is kind of mind-blowing because it's every person's, whatever their issue they're, they're experiencing has these little nuances that have to be catered to. Right, and what is very important when you take a health history of anyone is to look at what is their family history. You know, what is their family tree look like? You know, the, the genetics to look at that because genes move through a family. And the genetics are, are give you sort of a map of what might help the person with the issue, like well, in your case. It would, it would give me a map of where, let's say I had somebody come in where their grandmother had Graves' disease and their mother had Hashimoto's and they were having 
fatigue and their hair was falling out, then I'd think, wow, we have two family members with thyroid issues, Graves' disease being hyperthyroid and Hashimoto's, you know, low thyroid. So then I would think, okay, let's look at this person and just look at their thyroid. So it's, and, and that's an autoimmune disease. So I'd look, I'd look at their thyroid panel, but I would look at their gut health. I would assess for leaky gut. And we have a wonderful test now that I love. And it's what? actually, it's not this, the, you have this one here on the table, but I have another one called the um, Wheat Zoomer, which looks at gluten sensitivity and leaky gut in one panel. So that's a test that I have. So the gluten thing, since you bring that up, let's talk about the gluten thing, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's very I was popular just, now. I, I was just having a conversation with a uh, retired physician who was a surgeon who's out on Nantucket now. Uh, Joe, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you'll get a kick. But he was the one that told me that Nowhere else in the world do we have a high rate as the U.S. as far as the uh, gluten intolerance. Everywhere else in the in the world, hmm. but he, he was he, he was telling me that it was has to do with the way our wheat is manufactured and all the, the additives and stuff. That's why it's the gluten intolerance is so prominent in America versus well, anywhere else in the world. What's your contention? Well, that's I I can. I can agree with that, but I think what we're looking at is more research in that area. What I do know, where I'd like to place my um, vote, is that you have to have a precipitating event that uh, where you become gluten sensitive. So I think it's important we break apart celiac disease from gluten sensitivity. Those are different. I always tell people it's sort of like being on the spectrum where celiac disease is on, would be maybe like autism and gluten sensitivity maybe would be like Asperger's over there on the spectrum. Okay. But a precipitating event would be somebody's eating gluten, they're doing fine, everything's great in their life, and they have a big stressor, big, big stressor. Maybe they go through a very bad divorce or something. Mm-hmm. And that stressor, maybe they had bronchitis and had antibiotics, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're starting to feel really tired, terrible foggy brain, they're getting some joint pains, they maybe have a little anxiety slash depression. So that's when maybe that's time to look at looking, and and in this, they don't have any GI symptoms. So we're talking about gluten sensitivity, right? Because So no GI symptoms, but you're experiencing uh, some sort of mental depression or some sort fatigue, of fatigue. Right? Fatigue, fatigue headaches, let's say, um, a foggy brain, big time. So that's like maybe one example of somebody. And that person, then we, we would begin to, I would look at, test them to see if they're gluten sensitive, looking at the different proteins in gliadin, which is the um, protein found in gluten. I would look at, um, so, so the tests that we have are really quite sophisticated now to be able to give us an example of what's going on and then check them out and see if they're gluten sensitive. That's sensitivity. Yeah. It's amazing. All this, there's so much new information. I feel like I feel that, that there's a direction now for people and uh, other than, than conventional medicine. And one of the things you're doing, I thought that I think we should bring up is you break down, you take a patient and you look through their poop. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought, well, it sounds a little gross, but it, there's no, there's not a better way to figure out. I'm a, 
yeah, a that, better way to figure yeah. out what how your body's processing the All food, right, right? Right, right. So that's okay. Yeah, I know. I've been called the poop doctor before. Okay, so <laughs> we're adults here. We we're can adults. talk we about poop. We can talk poop. about that. So what I so I do send samples in and to look at, as I said, to look at any infections, inflammatory markers imbalances or those insufficiency of enzymes and then the microbiome. So yes, I, that's, that's a very, you gotta figure, you gotta figure out shit to get shit. You gotta figure you, you out gotta shit. Fig- figure your shit out. Well, you need a roadmap. And right. So, what, but it made sense to me that it would to, to look right. in, cause that's, that's going to show you how your body's metabolizing things right. and breaking it down. It's right? going to be fun to look at yours. Um, <laughs> are we going to do me? Yeah, we have to do yours cause you gotta, you gotta have a roadmap. So a roadmap is, you know, it, I think it's education is a very important part of being a practitioner. So I like to ed, diagnostic testing, education, and then second visit, education, and a roadmap of this is where you are and this is where you want to go. And here's the steps to take to get there. Yeah. Give me an idea of the kind of uh, stuff that you've been treating lately. What are you seeing a lot of? Nantucket or Nantucket, yeah. Okay, so we're just going to talk well, about Well, we should tell you do practice in Concord, Mass. I Is practice it? in Concord, but on Nantucket also. So Nantucket, if you could be more, Nantucket, more specific. Yeah. Okay, so with Nantucket. We'll go micro. I, <laughs> so what I see in Nantucket so far is and i'm looking forward to having like a nice big cohort of folks to be able to get a a greater sense of what's going on here but what's presented has been a lot of fatigue foggy brain joint pain headaches those type of things. Those are all Lyme's symptoms. <laughs> well, so that's everyone comes into me because of the Lyme epidemic on the island, and they all say, I think I have post Lyme, right? And so I say, Great, you're just in the right place because this is what we're going to work with. With post Lyme, the, the chronic symptoms after, it's, I mean, so symptoms that you just, I just described could be gluten or they could be the lime so you can swing either way with that that's why the lab tests are important so we look at the gluten sensitivity and leaky gut generally they're going to have some kind of leaky gut because most lime patients have had a lot of antibiotics right so that's why when we're looking at post lime we want to look at leaky gut to see if they have it we want to look at the gut health because oh here's something that's important when you have leaky gut the possibility and the probability of having a pathogen overgrowth is pretty high. So it could be yeast or some other microbial pathogen that's a possible pathogen, right? So it can be elevated in the test, right? And so that's why we want to look to see if that the Lyme patient, the post-Lyme disease syndrome patient has that because then what they can do is have actionable steps. They can take, I prescribe something that's natural to inhibit the growth of that possible pathogen or the yeast overgrowth. And we work on healing, I call it healing and sealing the gut, you know, with diet, intelligent supplementation, we should describe what leaky gut is, just in case uh, someone's listening and oh, has heard okay. it. I mean, it's okay. I've heard it a lot. I know what it is, but we should just... Okay, leaky we, gut is intestinal permeability. Basically, I mean, in a kind of a funny way, the easiest way people have understood is I say, well, you have a colander and you drain your spaghetti. And it works. But what if your colander had really large holes in it and the spaghetti fell through? That's kind of like leaky gut. Gotcha. It's intestinal permeability okay. issues. It, and so... 
it you want your GI barrier, your gastrointestinal, to be to control kind of what's helpful that goes in and out of there, right? into the bloodstream you want it to have a nice control of what's going on but sometimes the barrier should be nicely tightly regulated like a fabric that's been woven with a nice tight warp and weave but what if the fabric had a, a little bit too of a loose warp to it that's what i mean by that so we want to keep out the harmful things and with leaky gut you get absorption of macromolecules so this was my next question all of us grew up I'm 42 with given antibiotics. So most people are they depending on the amount of antibiotics that they've been given over their lifetime have a, are predisposed to leaky gut. Is that your contention? No, it's not at all. No, no, okay. because I remember I said there were four precipitating factors. So it could be that the person had a bunch of antibiotics, but they had maybe a low stress life. Uh, and they hadn't traveled to the Dominican Republic and Vietnam and Cambodia, didn't, didn't pick up a bunch of parasites and or bacteria, and they, were, they weren't predisposed to allergies. Now, that being said, you know, it, it, it's to register on one side or the other and say, okay, it, everybody, people who have had antibiotics are going to have leaky gut. That, you have to have evidence-based medicine on that. I mean, you have to have research done on that, and that's why I would like to have a project where I look at look at the, the Lyme patients, remember the post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome that people have, and look at their guts and see and do a, the, the, the U-biome, the smart gut program that I have, and look at their guts and see, well, what's happened here? You know, what's the shift that's happened? Because we know if we take people that we can have, they've shown, research has shown it like with rheumatoid arthritis, that there's been a shift in the gut towards... Um, an unhealthy gut, if they put, move it back in the direction of health, the rheumatoid arthritis gets better. So why not do that with our limes? And that's what I do in my office personally, but I think we need to take it because Nantucket's the perfect place where you have a circumscribed, you know, it's 32 miles out to sea, it's an island, you can work with the population. The and, control population's easier to manipulate. Yeah, basically. well, not manipulate, <laughs> but, you know, it's easier to get the message out because right. it's a small island, it's easier for, and, and everything spreads through word of mouth here, everybody, you know, everybody connects and, you know, you're, you know, you're a person that's in the public, so people see you, and you talk about, oh, you know, I'm... I, I, you know. Well, I, that's why you're here today, because I think it's what you're doing is amazing. Well, I, I want to make one other point before I talk about diet, that when that I want to make the point that the gastrointestinal health affects the entire body. So it affects the brain, the gut-brain connection, you know, stress, anxiety, skin, people that may have psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, thyroid, liver... And the cardiometabolic, and then the immune system. That's the frequent colds and all the autoimmune disease systems. So I just want to put that out there so the folks that are listening here connect the GI tract with those, the whole body. So in terms of nutrition, we'll move on to that. Uh, so, oh, you were making kimchi in the kitchen before. Well, yeah, we should talk about, well, <laughs> well nutrition is such a, you know, basically steering the people to treat their guts better essentially through nutrition sorry that's uh it's not my phone not my phone it's <laughs> <laughs> not my phone it's probably amy's phone it is ah anyway make sure our stuff is we're still rolling so that's all right i don't care i like i like the 
part of the charm of the podcast. Oh, yeah. This is like the shows they used to have on, what was it? Like the duck would come down, you know, like This Is Your Life or something, you know? Do you remember those no. show on TV? Oh, it was really funny. Uh, well, this is, you know, it's real life. Okay, so with food. Well, yeah, just be, what you do as a as a... Well, first I have to find out if a person has sensitivity to certain foods. Because remember, that's one food particles is one of the things that can cause leaky gut. But so begin to use food as medicine. So what we begin to look at is that, let's say the person does have some gluten sensitivity. Well, just removing gluten may not be enough. You know, you have to work on healing and sealing the gut, right? We talked about that. But also, sometimes people have something called cross-reactivity. And this is a pretty cool topic. I actually heard someone speaking about this on PBS, like on the, on the radio. I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's hit the PBS. So what cross-reactivity is, is that if another food you're consuming can have a dysfunctional immune response and act as if gluten. So I look to see if perhaps dairy or oats or another food is a cross-reactive food. And I also look to see if a person has any other food slash sensitivities. So then giving a person a diet to follow where we don't have foods that trigger inflammation while we're working on healing the gut. And then working on a diet that's an anti-inflammatory diet. So we take out the inflammatory foods while we're healing the gut. Doesn't mean these foods have to be taken out forever, just for a circumscribed period of time. And they're all the things you... Love tomatoes. No, right? no, 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 no. Those no. are the the nightshades. Nightshades. No, no I don't. Uh, no, I I try to See, go. See, this is interesting. I always thought in my mind it was tomatoes. Nightshades well, were all inflammatory. Well, okay, foods. so let's think about this. Something when you cook tomatoes, there's a there's a something that is released in tomato sauce that is. Well, am I, I wrong? I like people to have fun in their life, right? And right. so I'm not about taking everything away. I think that make makes folks very unhappy. So I like to think of like, what are the top ones we're going to work with here? What are the most inflammatory foods, right? So gluten, even if you weren't sensitive to it, we would take, you know, gluten, dairy, corn, soy, gluten, dairy, corn, soy, there's one I'm forgetting, like peanuts, right? And so just to take those out and, and, and then, as I said, we look at that lab test to see if there's a sense any other sensitive foods and based on the lab test then we may have a few it could be celery could be tomatoes but whatever that is so i just don't like to blanketly take those out because if somebody's already struggling with taking out one food group which gluten is a very big food group i don't want to say take out tomatoes no Hmm. i don't want to do that i want to i want to have a, a real clear roadmap because i think if it's about you know, if you have to put your energy, if you're going to, how would I say this? It's, it's like when you're a parent and you have to pick your battles when you're working with your, with a child, you know, you don't want to like, you know, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to discipline them about this, but it's also with food. You know, I don't, I, for me in my practice, I don't want to take away too many things unless I absolutely have to. And I don't like to take gluten out of anybody's diet unless there's a, a reason to. I don't yeah. want to. I don't like fad diets. How does the traditional medical community deal with that? With, Which part? With gluten, if they, if how would they treat a gluten intolerance? I'm just curious to what they do. If you go into the doctor's office and you, a mother with her kid and says, "Oh, he's got 
we think he's allergic to gluten. What are they? What, what's the medical community doing? Well, you know, I actually in response think, to that. I, well, so you know, this is it's all. What I, I like to look at it like this. So think of medicine as that all your different types of healthcare practitioners, because we're all in medicine. You know, in that we're all batting for the same baseball team, right? So, you know, you have your... Are we? I mean, are, isn't there some people in the medical community that are like, oh, functional medicine, you can go do... I've, I've experienced that a couple times oh, in the you? doctor's oh, office. Oh, oh, yeah. Tell me what's happened because I've been... I'm, I mean, I had an endocrinologist that I told I told him I was cutting out dairy and stuff like yeah, that. Right? And he's like, why are you going to do that? He's like, that's that's hocus pocus stuff, you oh, know? Oh, okay. All right. That's so still... I've experienced it firsthand. Uh, people oh, okay. people right. not being... So you know, you know what if you want to go down, he was like, what did he say? He said something to the extent of, you want to chase the hocus pocus stuff down, oh, it makes boy, it feel better, go boy. for it. And has that been recently? Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. You know, I, I've had the experience, you know, of going, meeting with different doctors and seeing the way the medical community actually works firsthand, especially in the thyroid world. Oh, okay. Where you have doctors that are literally going in and out of one room. They're, the patients are lined up literally out the door for thyroidectomies. Okay. Which is crazy. And yeah. so you, as the patient, you are stuck trying to process not only the information that they tell you in a 10-minute span okay. of what they're going to do. They're going right. to remove your thyroid, blah, blah, blah. And here's your doctor. He's going to do this. But then you're left to process it after what's going on. Like I'm still learning about what the thyroid and what I need now that it's gone. And there was no other education that you just went in, they removed your thyroid and they're like, good luck. So now you're out on the other side of this thing, but you don't have any of the information. So I feel like there's a lot of that. uh, Just Yes. Okay. So I I guess um, probably what you're sensing in me is that I like to think everyone's, you know, all practitioners are working for the greater good. And so I, I always like to, you know, shed that light in that area and that I, I just assume they're doing the best that they can and what they know. And maybe perhaps what it is is that, that, I, that they're working out of door three and I'm working out of door nine, right, let's say. And then in door three is what you encountered. And some people love door three, right? They want that. And then in door nine, that's the folks that come in to me that want someone to spend an hour with them and educate them and go through their program. So I, maybe it's just, you know, remember, some people like that door three. They do. They don't, maybe they don't like door nine, which is the door I'm in. So how is the medical community handling what's going on? Yeah, are they, embracing, is, are they embracing functional medicine? Well, a certain percentage are. Perhaps what I'd say where it's happening is the world in genetics, the genetic world, because I'll go to different, I'll go to conferences, genetic conferences, and there's just a wonderful group of people from all different types of degrees that are there. And I do think this is a place where it's going to be able to shed more light on what's happening. So I think there's certain healthcare practitioners that are really happy that there are functional medicine doctors out there. And I think other ones, maybe like the particular practitioner you went to. Might feel threatened there. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't understand it or know about it. And that if he could understand or know, he would... Um, maybe if he met somebody like me and we were friends and he knew what I did and then he'd be like, oh, that's what functional medicine is. Well, you know, you're hearing about it all the time. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm hearing about gut health so much now. It's so, it's around. People are understanding it now. Functional medicine is a term that you're hearing and you're, instead of going to a doctor, I'm going to go see Sarah Williams, who is a doctor, but a functional medicine doctor. And to some people, there's a, maybe there's a stigma attached to that. 
Well, you know, after practicing 35 years and starting out where you know, 35 years ago in the movement of holistic medicine, you, you know, I've, I've seen a lot in my journey. And I think the biggest thing that I've know that I find is not to polarize anyone and just to stay neutral. Just like, you know, take the middle path, just, you know, just take the middle path and that other people's vision of how they hold health is their vision are other practitioners and it's not for me to to judge them and i think this is why this is where we're at we're realizing it seems to me everything's pointing to that like your your gut health is your life health yes so as we said the gut affects the entire body and what one of the exciting things that I like to do is bringing genomic medicine into the practice. Which is cool. That's why I wanted to talk about that as okay, well. Okay, bringing it, in, bring it into the clinical setting. And so I spent some time with a really wonderful geneticist down at, um, is he at, Br- no, he's at Brigham's maybe, or yeah, he's at Brigham. And he was really wonderful in helping me um, be able to, bridge the gap and understand that you can be in a large institution, you can have a study of um, different pilot programs that he's working with. And... If you need to look something up, go for it. Oh, don't, yeah, don't. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's not that I was looking something up. I just was a little <laughs> distracted because somebody was walking Because my wife the- walked in the room. <laughs> it's right here. It rang twice on the podcast. Okay. There you go. There we go. So take me back to where we were. Okay, so you're bringing microbiome into the clinical setting. Yeah, just the genetic background. Okay, so sorry about that, folks. We just had a, this is life. So what happened was that um, I was, I would, working with the Human Genome Project, I began to see that what was really needed is how do we put this into boots on the ground? Who are the people that are going to put this in their office? And it's not just these programs funded by the NIH. And there's like, you know, because I was part of the Human Genome Project. I was part of the Wild uh, Gut Series. I, you know, so I, I donated, you know, sort of like my goal in life was to donate all of my, make my genome public for use now to make, you know, to give samples of everything so that everything could be studied now while I'm alive, right? And But there was, n- I didn't see it a lot in clinical practice. So my goal was to just make it a part of every day. You know, like you go in, you see your healthcare practitioner, they look at the microbiome of your gut. It's just like looking at your yearly blood chemistry. So that's what I do with people. They come in, here, we're going to look at your microbiome. And I, and I make it just like it's just a part of your regular health checkup. That's it. Yeah, and it's something that the the mainstream medical community doesn't really do. Oh no, they don't do this because you know why? It's new. This is new. This is not like we've had the gut microbiome. I wish I looked up the dates that the NIH funded the first microbiome project, but it was, you know, we could probably okay. look that up. Yeah. To know the date of the microbiome project, and and that is. A, I actually went and I was listening to all these. I, I wrote, I had notes on this. Okay, I told so, you I really wanted to prepare uh, okay, for this podcast because right, right. so right. so I'm so it? into it. I think it's so amazing. I was uh, Rob Wolf was the guy I was talking about. I'd listened to. He's the biochemist. He started CrossFit and he was talking. Uh, he he might have had that date of when the first the microbial project isolated. I, there's some right. They isolated some sort of yeah. Well, I, you know the it. So the NIH has been you know pretty. They they 
they were great at this. So, and let's see, um, it was in 2000, maybe one or something. I'm not exactly right, so we're sure at like the date. What, you know, I don't know exactly sure. Years no, of... he hasn't been funded that long. So I'll just kind of, as we're speaking, I'll multitask here and look at the microbial. But project. its importance was. The, the importance was that they realized this was important. That you know that that they had to begin to put some dollars and research into this, and that's what was so wonderful that we we had that started right the microbiome project. So, um, so it's the second genome, so to speak. You know? Right. So the the first genome was you know our um, can I just figure I'm getting us here this our. So we need to bring it into a clinical setting. That's what that's what the goal is here. Bring this into a clinical setting. That's and that's what I do, which is really quite exciting, very fun. You know, should be after thirty five years, practice should be fun. Has has any of the uh, applications have you applied? Have you ever seen it not work? Have you ever seen? Have you ever had a patient where you've recommended things and it, and it hasn't made a change? What's the success rate? Well, what are we talking? Well, you know what? Okay, so I mean, I, all right. Let me let me let me re, let me restate so can, that question. Yeah, if, you got to restate that. All right. If have you ever had a situation where you did all the uh, genetic testing and you did the diet alterations and stuff, and this and the symptoms and the uh, didn't subside, the person was still dealing with issues. Wow, that is a loaded question. It's my job. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's start, you know, so remember I started practicing 35 years ago. So we didn't have the technology we have now. We didn't have the lab tests. The human um, genome wasn't mapped. The microbiome wasn't the second genome. We didn't, there was none of that, right? So my, there was the most of the time, you know, you can never say there's absolutes, but most of the time the goal is to give a person a better sense of well-being, right? That's the goal. So you start... And you work with moving them. And so what do we define as a better sense of well-being? Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, right? So in those parameters, what do you define as the, the, them having success? So perhaps, okay, I can give you an example of myself here. So having had asthma, I mean, my goal was to, you know, cure the autoimmune disease I was born with. Well, it took me probably, you know, there were gradations of change all along all of those years where I was all, my health was always improving, always improving. Was I cured when I was 20? No. Cured at 30? No. Cured at 40? But this, everything, I was always heading in an upward trajectory trajectory of better health and well-being and I mean that on an emotional physical and spiritual level not just the physical because we talk a lot of the microbiome of the gut here but if you have someone that comes in and they have a tremendous amount of stress in their life where that it's affecting, causing elevated cortisol levels, which is your one of your stress hormones, and that then causes inflammation. It's going to be a pretty rough time to heal that gut because the gut's going to be remain um, too permeable or leaky because the inflammation is going to affect the gut. So, I would say that every person's unique that walks in my office. 
Some people come in and have a life-changing experience after one visit. Some people, I work with them and I say, you know what, your gut's going to be for us a two-year project we're working with here because we have a lot of other things. So there's never one person alike, never. It's just amazing to me how much of your emotional world is tied to that, you know, like your cortisol levels go up if you're going through a divorce, like it just, any yeah. sort of stress. I think about when I was living in New York, I didn't realize it till I left New York that I was very stressed. I just, the lifestyle I was living was stressful. Yes. I didn't realize that till I moved away and now I'm looking, I look back on it and I think, wow, you know, it kind of, there was a lot of imbalance. A lot of imbalance. So that is one of the things to look at along with your gut health and your microbiome. We'll look at your cortisol levels and just see where they're at right now. That's an important aspect. To yeah. I, and the, the antibiotic thing too is, is I've, you know, thinking about, I got walking pneumonia about almost six years ago and it took me forever to get rid of it. But I was given, the, I went on four different antibiotics to kick it. So I can only imagine what that did to my immune system. And that was pre-cancer. You know, there's a guy you might want to look up called Rob Knight. He has great TED Talks. And the, he is, he's, he's, a, he's really a great specialist in the microbiome of the gut. They do fun things like they go to maybe it's either East Africa or West Africa where they look at the microbiome of certain tribes begin to see what what does that look like you know comparatively to yeah but that have not had all these antibiotics right because what is a healthy gut here you know what's a healthy microbiome right that that's that's what we're kind of talking about what is a healthy microbiome right so that's one of the things that so look look at up him after rob knight he's he's pretty what did they find well that is kind of okay I don't know. There's, I think they're still working on it, but what we do know that the microbiome, you know, there's 10 trillion cells, right? So 10 trillion mic- microorganisms or microbiome. So what we're talking about here is that they, everything's broken down into different phylum and species. And one of the things that they look at is the diet and how it affects the type of phylum and species in the gut. So that's when we begin to talk about gut diet has one of the biggest shifts for the microbiome. So looking at diet and how it shifts. And that's what's really interesting about the test. So with the company I'm working with, Ubiome, who um, I'm doing as part of their pilot, you know, the Smart Gut Doctor Pilot Program, I when I can look at somebody over a three-month period, we can see what's happening in that, let's say that they have treatment in the middle of that or something happened, they took antibiotics in the middle. We can kind of look and see what's going on because every two weeks they take a sample and then you go on and you log on your sample kit and you answer a few questions so we can kind of see what's happening with the trajectory. See, this is blowing my mind because I feel like this is in the next 20 years, you're going to go to the doctor maybe and you'll, instead of going in there and having them check your blood pressure and stuff, they'll actually do this testing to see what's going on. It's and happening it, now. It right is. Right now. This is it. This is what I'm doing. This is happening this is right what now. They're going to, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, but you're a functional, but people, right now the path, people have to hear about you like on a podcast or something and say, uh, right. I heard Sarah Williams. Right, right. They're not, functional practitioners aren't just there that as 
like medical doctors are. Ah, uh, yes, right. I know. I forget. You have I, to, you know, yes. I so forget. we need to get that word out. And people, yes, yes. I think eventually, this is where, this is what I mean when I said earlier, I think there is a paradigm shift going on. I think we're getting to the point where people might just come right to a functional uh, doctor versus their primary care physician. Well, this is how I tell people to look at it like this, that, like, I'm going to go back to that baseball team, right? You need all the players on the team. So, you know, you need to have maybe your functional medicine doctor. You need your PCP. You can have a car accident. I agree with you. I do yeah. think you So you've got to have the PCP. You have your functional medicine doctor. And you have whatever, you, um, you know, you have your dentist. And for women, they have their obstetrician. So you have a team of people. And that's what I think is to look at having a team, setting up a nice team of healthcare practitioners for yourself. Yeah, and I think there's something that's relative, too, that I was just thinking about. So much of this stuff that we're talking about, I guess, might not be relative until you have a health issue. I think that's why I'm so interested in it. You know, some people just may have a little bit of arthritis. They might have little, but it's never enough to push them to the level until the big thing happens. Right, and the goal is to tell people, hey, you know what? This is really easy to look and do preventive medicine. Let's just, you know, look at, you know, Instead of just, I start people out sort of on a basic level sometimes when they walk in, I say, you know, let's do intelligent supplementation and let's look at weight. What is going on in our country, right? Because they start to say like people like dinosaurs, you know, like small heads, big bodies, like let's begin to... Oh my God. Right. So Go to the airport and then like... Or... Right. So if we talk about it in regards to weight... You know, that that brings people into this setting, weight loss, because when you talk about weight loss, they, you know, everybody wants to lose weight. And but the weight isn't just about calories in and calories out. It's actually, you know, what food you crave, they're finding out is determined by your microbiome and your gut. <laughs> See, it's all it's all tied together, which you brought up food. Oh, we haven't talked about sugar. Because sugar, you're scratching your head. Is this? No, are oh we jumping God. around too much? No, uh, no, no. I specifically God. tried to make it so we were like on point. On I, point. I had an outline in my head. I wrote an outline down, okay. which I haven't stuck to. I oh, know you haven't stuck to. Okay, this is fine. I was trying to keep it as, <laughs> it's, it's, it's straightforward because I know there's so much to talk about. I'm actually like, so I get. Okay, well, I can always come back. I know. That's okay. We can cover what we do today. And but then let's talk about back. sugar because sugar uh, is one of the things that when you actually start really paying attention to it, you realize there's so much sugar in our diet. I watched this guy check out the other day of the Stop and Shop. I was like, holy shit. Well, nobody reads labels. Doritos, two Twix bars, a Coke, and and a ham, like a Stop and Shop ham sandwich. And that's where our healthcare dollars are going, just for the record. So... You know, that, that's another topic. We, we don't want to go there. Yeah, so and, that, and take, listen, listen, to the, and now I sound like a judgmental prick. <laughs> let's not talk about, we won't talk about that, but let's just say that it would be helpful if everyone started to shop on just the outer aisles and not the inner aisles of supermarkets. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. I definitely. And, and then begin to look at, you know, the new food pyramid, you know, with vegetables, right? I don't think people realize in their diet, like, Sometimes people forget what are fats, what are proteins, what are carbs, just the basics. They're just teaching people. The, people don't learn the basics of nutrition in school. How about med school? This is what uh, Dr. Joe said. Med school said they, t- they teach, uh, there's 10, day, or 10 yeah, days of yeah. nutrition yeah, at med school. Right. So, so that's got to be changing. I got I to believe that that's changing. Yes, I, I, wouldn't, I, I have heard that's changing. But I, I, I think that really where should education start is in, with children. That this is where it should begin with children, and look at Nantucket has the great, you know, these um, with the um, 
sustainable Nantucket, you know, has the, what is it, children that have the farm to, there's education for the school kids, like where they go and work Learn on Learn how f- to grow vegetables. Yeah, that's really important. You have, yeah. you have a daughter? Yeah. Don't you? I think that it's, and this makes me think about the bigger, the foods, the we're still fighting as a, a U.S. population, the food conglomerates. There's still the mindset. People are still buying, you know, buy local, but there's still Cisco Foods and big, major big food production. And until that shifts, you know, you're st- that's you're going to have gluten sensitivities. You're going to have all that stuff because everything's being tampered. Processed food, you know. That, yes, and so that is, people have to vote with their pocketbooks. So they, it's first, it's education. You have to start with education. Unfortunately, people change their diet once they've had a health crisis, but many are not. Some people are like. I actually think weight oftentimes drives people to begin to think about changing their diet. Think about, right? Yeah. It's... So, so we, this is the, you know, this is, a, this is a big, big project working on the health of, of the nation. That's a big project. I feel like things are starting to shift, though. I I, I feel like there is a a push. People are starting to understand a little more and pay attention to it. But until you've had a health issue or if you have an arthritis issue or or whatever your ailment is. Well, I agree with you. There's been a shift because I think back, all right, so I was 13, went to my first yoga class, right? So then all of a sudden, like, everybody's doing yoga. Everybody's father, mother, grandmother's yoga is just, like, popular before Back in the 60s, it was like, you know, it was weird, right? Now, uh, juice fasting, when I used to do that, that was considered, you know, really, you know, sort of out there on a limb. That's just, now you just go to the store and you can buy all these fresh pressed juices. And you've got, you know, Jamba Juice, all these fresh juice companies everywhere. So Jamba Juice is a lot of sugar. Oh, does it? I don't even buy any. Does it? Yeah, Jamba Juice isn't good. Oh, well, what's the good, what do we have on the island? Uh, well, there's there's Act Press. Act Press, that, yeah. Do, Not, I don't know if there's. I don't know if Act Press is. Well, there's there's someone doing. Right. So that so so now what we have is I think what's happening is that you are correct in saying that functional medicine is sort of busting out, and then perhaps another ten years it'll be on everyone's mind and on the tip of their tongue. Well, they'll know what it is. They won't be like, what is that? Right. I'm eating kimchi. I'm eating. I take a probiotic in the morning. My, and but you got me thinking. Well, maybe I'm not taking the right probiotic. Well, that's why you're gonna do the Ubiome Smart Gut test, so you can see over three months what's going on down there. Yeah, I don't think I have a gluten sensitivity. I did want to test a while back, but it was a saliva test. Well, I suggest you just look. Just check it out. You know, it's not, it isn't, it's, it's because of a person's, your health history, you might want to just look because it's thyroid, just check it out. And any other health challenges you may have. Yeah. I don't know what you've shared with your podcast listeners, but. Oh, everything. Oh, everything. Okay. Blank slate. (laughs) Blank slate. Okay. So I'm just making sure I don't want to say anything. I was going to say master cleanse. Yay or nay on the master cleanse. What do you call the master cleanse? I think it's 15 days, cayenne pepper, lemon juice. Well, the idea of, and there's a lot of health blogs, and I've heard a lot of podcasts, people talking about the importance of a fast. A fast resets your system. Even a 24 hour can be effective. Okay, so let's talk about metabolic 
detoxification. Great. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> I'm going to be impressed if your podcast listeners listen to all this because this is a lot of information. They should. We're sharing some gold right here. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, they're probably getting exhausted by this point. Maybe. Okay. So metabolic detox. To detox, you need specific nutrients. So glutathione is one of the most important nutrients for detoxification. That comes from amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein. So to detox, you need to make sure you have that glutathione. So I have people do what I call a metabolic detox to take toxins that are fat-soluble and change them into water-soluble compounds so they can be excreted through either the bile the urine, or the feces. So we need to have something that changes it from fat-soluble to water-soluble. Is this the 10-day cleanse that I'm doing with Amy? Oh, you're doing that? Yeah, we're, I'm uh, doing it. Uh, okay, yeah, this is what you're the, doing. The day after Easter, we're going to start. Uh, okay, so you might I gave well... me a week to booze up and uh, enjoy oh, life. Oh, it's very easy to do. So this is what you're doing. I didn't, okay, so here's what <laughs> I'm doing it. Okay, yeah, so yeah, here's what you're doing. So I'm going to explain to you what you're doing. So okay. probably you didn't know. So what you're doing is that you're going to basically... if we can say you want to like bag up the trash and then you want the dump trucks to come and pick it up. That's what you're doing. So that's what we call a metabolic detox because we need to help with the different phases of detoxification in the liver, phase one, phase two, phase three. So bagging up trash, picking it up, fat-soluble to water-soluble compound, right? So that is what I recommend as a detoxification program that works with the liver because the liver is what we need to work on detoxifying. That the, every chemical has to go through the liver through different pathways and be detoxified. Um, all of the sort of byproducts of metabolism and hormone metabolism go through the liver. So that's why you want to spend a little bit of attention on that type of a detox. So that's what you're doing. Okay. You're gonna have did fun. you learn about this in med school, or where did you well, learn remember, all this Well, remember, I didn't stuff? go to med school. You didn't go to med school. I went to, yeah, so I had to be very clear about that. I went to chiropractic school. So where did I learn about yeah, all this? Yeah, the science of it. And to well, me, oh, it oh, sounds... Oh, I forgot. I'm also, I also have a degree in nutrition. Completely forgot that. So, so in nutrition, you, you study I, I have a master's in nu nutrition, and... too. Well, no, I would say, you know, okay, how did I learn about genetics? Self-study, honestly. Because it was out of necessity, because I was trying to figure out what was going on in our family. So I would take all these online courses. I would go down to Brigham and Women's and sit in on the fellowship program. But it was all self-study. Wow. And so, so for what... So I so for functional medicine, I attended a lot of conferences by Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who is the father of functional medicine. For the last, how, whenever he started, that's what I say. I forget the is year. Is he coming in Nantucket? No. Can we I, get him out here? Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, probably not. But maybe. Who knows? I mean, he's. You can chat with him. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And and so in that way. Um, you forgot. Don't that's all right. <laughs> About, uh, you were saying how to, um, I don't know. <laughs> funny, I got, Doug, I got, you're funny. You got lost in that one. I got but lost we, in that we, one. You were talking about detox. And I yeah, was it was, saying, it was detox. Doing. Sorry. Okay. That's what, hey, listen, this is what, this is the beauty of it. Cause this is what happens in a normal conversation. People lose train of thought. It's a normal, <laughs> normal reaction. Um, 
We oh, were talking okay. about detoxification oh, okay. so and say, part of the cleanse. And you asked me how how did I know about all this? Well, it's it's thirty five years. Well, I've been practicing thirty five years. So you know, before that, I went to school for eight to ten years. So it's you know, I learned about this when I was in in school, right? right. But then it was always postgraduate studies all along the way because this is a changing field. If I what I learned forty years ago. Yeah, I learned all the building blocks of how detoxification and the cytochrome P450 pathways in the liver work, you know. But in terms of what you're hearing me speak about today, this is a changing field. You, This takes a curious mind and the willingness to just be on it all the time because this field is changing like lightning speed. It's like a, an iPhone, all those different versions that come out. That's what's happening here. So you have to stay. So I think what happens is that in my work, I have to stay very, very current. So it's attending conferences, um, great conference on the um, genetics and oncology or cancer, what's going on, which is where a lot of research has gone in. And that's where the changing landscape has occurred, you know, using um, genetics and, and cancer treatment, which is fantastic. So in that way, being able to be uh, to be quick and learn fast and move with the pace of what's happening right now, and maybe practitioners you've been to, I don't know, I don't know what's happening. I, I have been to a couple. There's a woman that came to Nantucket, Karen Klickner. Does that name ring a bell? She, I went to her. I, I think at, as someone that's explored this world a little bit, there's yeah. a lot of noise out there, and there's a lot of. Uh, different people saying, well, if you want, we really want to, you need to boost your liver up because if you're having an autoimmune issue, your liver's got to be functioning properly before. So there's a lot of information out there with, with the internet. You know, you can be, you could spend all day finding conflicting information uh, okay. on things. So okay. it is hard. So oh, it's, okay. it's hard for the person to decipher what is going to make the best improvement oh, for and, me. And who's the specialist? And, and who do I go to? Yes. Someone recommended this person. Someone, ah. someone recommends this. So it's, it's not easy. There's a lot of information out there. Well, how you know, I always tell people that how they know the person is right for them is like, do, like, who are they sitting across from? Is the person they're sitting across from healthy? Hello? Like, what's their health? Look at the person that you're sitting across from. And, you look very healthy. Oh, <laughs> thank you. And you know, and 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 look and see how they connect with you. And then you can figure out because you know you need trust with the practitioner you see. And it's hard for the public to gauge who the keepers are of the knowledge. But I don't know. You'll have to tell me. How do you know when somebody knows? How do you know? Uh, I think I don't think I know. I think I'm in the process. Are uh, you in the process? I'm in the. Pro- I'm in. It's. It's still just sort of figuring out. That's why the gut health thing to me has just been. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm looking up, reading all these online, uh, different specialist gut health. This Dr. Lou, who's the gut, she has a Twitter account she's called it the Gut Gal or something. I forget what it was called. Well, but mm-hmm. There's a lot of information out there, but but a lot. It seems what I'm hearing is the stuff is very consistent. Is basically if you can take care of your gut and balance your gut, you can actually get rid of some of these autoimmune issues. Oh, absolutely, yes, for sure. And 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 then I think if you go to a practitioner, and I think it's pretty darn important to have some of these functional testing done. If if that's how you know if you're maybe in the right spot because the person does some functional testing, because you need some data, you need diagnostic testing. And if you don't have that, it might be a little difficult to get a clear roadmap. 
but we're here now with the technology now that someone like yourself can send off your results yeah. and oh, get sure. you can get that testing done pretty oh, sure. quick. It's been yeah. And that's really I I would say probably that's probably why functional medicine is now becoming more commonplace because those that testing is available to everyone. I'm sure it was expensive 20 years ago, but now the price is coming down because there's more companies, right? Well, you know, uh, genetic companies. What What are the two? There's two main genetic. Well, companies, well remember, right? there's different types of tests. So with the, with the microbiome, right? That's um, that's like Ubiome is one lab that that does the test um, for the microbiome, but the other functional testing, you know, we have different labs that look at like Genova Diagnostic Lab does some gut health testing. <coughs> um, and then we have um, Vibrant Wellness that does testing for gluten sensitivity. So you have different labs that do different types of testing. But that's the, the labs are where, where you get basically it's right. So Base, so I always say it like this, that as a practitioner, I practice the art and science of medicine, not just the science, but there's an art to it. And it's being able to sit with a person and, and know what tests to order based on their history, where they are at now. And that's what I was saying. Maybe some person, a person needs me to order the stress test because they've had a bad divorce as well as maybe they came in with a thyroid problem. So I look at um, their autoimmune markers and I look at their leaky gut. So it's knowing when you're sitting across from somebody which test to order because there are a lot of them. Hmm. So it's not just you got, it's not two. Yeah. Many more. <laughs> I just thought uh, something else I wanted to ask you, and I'm sorry. I apologize if it feels like I'm just peppering questions, oh, but okay. as I'm, uh, my brain oh, is like okay. spinning. Okay. I'm sick. I go to see my doctor, and he gives me a Z pack. Do I take the Z pack or do I not take the Z pack with antibiotics? I, I'm right now with everything that I've read and seen. Okay. Before well, I've heard your answer, okay. I don't think I'd take it. All right, so tell me, well, it depends on, you might want to consider when you're sick, let's just say you were sick with a cough, okay? So maybe you want to consider going to uh, your, um, a, you might want to consider going to a holistic health practitioner and look, having, like, the, let's say you went to me, I also practice homeopathy, classical homeopathy, so I prescribe homeopathic remedies for that cough and maybe I would use some natural different types of things for that cough besides I would besides thinking of the z-pack so if to me antibiotics are to be used for something that's pretty darn extreme some really extreme like a person's got tuberculosis or you know they they have a type of severe pneumonia. So, you know, there's a place for antibiotics in healthcare. There's a very, but to use them wisely. And I feel that the problem we've had is they've been used for colds and coughs and, and they need to, and so if it's a bronchitis and it can be treated without antibiotics, then to perhaps go to a practitioner who might know how to handle that without a Z-Pack. And Z-Packs, those are fluoroquinones. You know, those are, those are, there's an issue with those types of What's the issue? The issue is that they affect the mitochondria and they have a, a fluorine compound attached to them so they get driven deep in the cell. And that, that's an issue because they cause a lot of a lot of disruption we're finding they cause tendon ruptures so just if people just look up like z-pack 
and fluoroquinones, and, and they you'll, can you'll they can see. Yeah, I think they're putting a, a warning on the on the on them. There's a warning on those now. You're talking about a big picture there too, because then you got the pharmaceutical companies who who are pushing it, and it's. Uh, I don't know. And does that, do they put pressure on the, the primary care physician? You, you know, I'm not going to register in on that. I like to register like this. I'm, I'm, I don't know I, either. I'm asking the question. I don't uh, know. I, I, I always like to take middle of the road here, right? That's, yeah. that's to take middle of the road and not register one side or the other and just stay clear on what I'm doing. I think uh, that was a very diplomatic answer. But I think back to what you talked about earlier, I think it is important to have both people i think having a primary care physician and, and and a functional yes having a team so that's what we want your podcast listeners to get from this Go, that, that was going to be my wrap-up the wrap-up <laughs> is that they have a team approach that they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. that they have their functional medicine practitioner and and like in my practice i also uh, have a health coach that helps people maybe go in change like it's a big deal to change your kitchen around so um, have her help them change their kitchen around to a gluten-free kitchen new meals to make and so that's part so you have your functional medicine practitioner you have your your primary care uh, change your kitchen around <laughs> yes yeah, do me a favor go look in my fridge and then come back and give me a quick tell me what you right think yeah go go look in there uh, okay. all right she's gonna go in my for this is cool she's going in my fridge right now and we're going to come back with what, what, uh, <laughs> let's see what she says. Uh, we'll give a grade. We'll have a, uh, you know, do I get an A plus or am I getting the F? Okay, oh, she's so going in the veggie jar. Okay? This is hilarious. <laughs> she's in my fridge now. She's pulling out, uh, I, I'm going to guess right now that I'm going to at least get a B plus. I'm going to get a B plus. A minus? Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. I only see two things. Oh, she came back. She's got... All right, uh, folks. It's only two items. I found... What is this? That's multigrain bread, though. Yeah, but you know what? We haven't checked you for... That's Pondavion multigrain. Well, we need to... Remember, okay. Pondavion's amazing. Okay, so here's what we have to figure out. You might want to be on an anti-inflammatory diet. Just saying. You might want to think about it with your health challenges. So there you go. There's one. And then I understand you have a daughter, but I don't know if you drink this cow's milk, but this is inflammatory. You might want to It's Organic think- Valley whole milk. Yep. But, okay. My daughter loves it. We're not talking about your daughter. This is for you. Okay. So for you. I don't drink the milk. Oh, you don't drink the cow's no, milk. No, I, d- I definitely eat the shit out of that bread though. Okay. But you don't need to drink that. Okay. All right. So this is for Piper. Okay. So that's- So, so do I get. What's the grade? <laughs> A minus, I'll take it. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I don't nice. That means I'm on. That that just means I'm doing something semi right. It's about time. There's beer. There's a 12 pack of that. Uh, is that what this is? Yeah, Notch IPA, which I love. It's left of the dial. I'm loving that. Okay, so See, it's gonna be hard for me to give up beer. I like beer. Oh, I don't really. Well, maybe you're not sensitive. I don't think drink, I am. Drink all the I beer. I told you, you I had that saliva test, and I did. I came back not. We're no. gonna do the blood. We need some blood. All right. We need a blood test. All right, Sarah Williams. We've been talking for over an hour now. Oh. And I, I hope that uh, the people listening found it is informational. I know it is, there's a, it's a lot of information, but I think what you're doing, not only uh, away from the island, but on Nantucket, 
You know, you're here for people on Nantucket. Yes. That, that's ultimately the gist of this podcast is that you're available to people if they want you Yes, on what I did is I decided that I wasn't going to be just a summer girl anymore, that I was going to be a resident of Nantucket. And so I decided that I'm going to practice here. And that's what I'm doing. It's been great. Yeah, and Dr. Williams, I can't thank you enough. You're, you're just another reason that the podcast exists because there's so many amazing people out here that do cool things and are really progressive and you know, changing the landscape of Nantucket in, in a really positive way for the island. So that's why you're here. All right. Well, thank you. So that's it. Dr. Williams, thank you very thank much. You. And right. I'm glad I got an A minus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, I'll take an A plus, right? It's not a bad grade. Wow, uh, that's so much information. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope it didn't feel <clears throat> scattered to you guys. I I just had so many questions for Dr. Sarah that uh, I I, w- I wanted to try and keep it as concise as possible. But there is so much information. I mean that uh, she is certainly a wealth of knowledge. And uh, you know, I think the takeaway from that conversation is you know paying attention to what we're putting in our bodies, folks. Uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. But uh, Dr. Williams, thank you so much for taking the time to come and sit down and inside the whale. I should say that if you're listening and you are suffering uh, from an autoimmune disease or, or want some uh, some genetic information or nutrition health, Dr. Sarah is on island now. So. An absolute asset to the island. If you want to find her, you can just go to her website. I think is the easiest way to get in touch with Dr. Sarah. And that is at drsarah.com. So, if you want to reach out, just get on the Google machine. Type in Dr. Sarah Williams. Get on her website. All her contact info is right there. But uh, Nantucket is, is surely a better place now that Dr. Sarah is on the island. And with that, folks... That's it, episode 47 in the books. We'll see you next guy. Next guys? See what happens? I'm rushing to get out and start my day as I'm recording this. Next guys. Next time, I meant to say. Listen, I'm a one-man shop here, folks, producing this podcast, so just deal with it. Does that make sense, too? I don't know. Either way, get out and enjoy the day. Love life. Love the ocean. Love Nantucket. Here we go. See you on the next one. Oh, I've almost forgot. Also, a big thanks to our new sponsor, Island Insurance. Look forward to working with you guys. Thanks for coming aboard, Island Insurance. We'll see you on the next one. Self-t-